Welcome to the Living Library Radio Podcast Project. This project aims to share human stories of immigration and integration by highlighting diverse stories of transition, settlement, and belonging. This series tells the stories of newcomers living, working, and building their lives in Peterborough, Ontario, Canada. The Living Library Project is a storytelling program of the New Canadian Centre. This radio podcast series is produced by the New Canadian Centre in partnership with Trent Radio and hosted by me, Jill Stavely. Launched in September 2018, the Living Library Project was established with the goal of sharing the diverse and compelling stories of newcomers through public speaking engagements. Since then, it has grown into a multimodal storytelling project. In this series, we bring you the stories of six newcomers living, working, and building their lives in Peterborough, Ontario. These are stories of home, belonging, loss, hope, community, and so much more. For more information about the Living Library Project and the New Canadian Centre, you can visit them on the web at www.nccpeterborough.ca. This is your home. Journeying across continents to find a forever home. Charlotte's story. For as long as Charlotte could remember, home was always something temporary, something that could be taken away in a moment's notice. That is, until she and her family were sponsored to come to Canada in 2016. Arriving in Peterborough, her sponsor welcomes her by saying, This is your home. Four words that have stuck with her ever since. In this episode, Charlotte tells us her story of home, community, and determination. So I'm here today doing an off-site recording for the NCC Living Library Project in the Daffodil Room. And could you introduce yourself to us, please? Uh, my name is uh, Imani Ragena, Charlotte. I am a mother of three, two girls and one boy. I'm a wife. I am a student. Uh and I'm a new Canadian. <laughs> yes. I think that's, that's me. What countries have you lived in? Uh, I lived in uh, my native country, Rwanda. And I lived in, in, I lived in uh, Tanzania. And I lived in uh, Kenya. And I, I lived in uh, Uganda for weeks. I think two weeks. Yeah, and now I'm I'm in Canada. <laughs> yes. Could you tell us a bit about these countries? What are they like? Where are they in the world? The four countries I talked: Rwanda and Tanzania and Uganda and um, Kenya. They are in East Africa. Um, what I can say, my country, especially Rwanda, is a is a beautiful country. I love my country. It is a clean country, and it's it's a little, it's a small country, and uh, it's uh, people. Uh, the way they live, ninety percent of people from Rwanda they live by farming, so only ten percent live for other works, but. Or others live for farming. So we we I lived in a, in a, in the village. So we used to farm too. That was our job. And uh, Tanzania, 
I will not say much about Tanzania because it's not my country. And uh, I went there when I was five, so I don't know much. When I went there, I lived in a, a refugee camp. So it was, it was awful. <laughs> it was a bad, in a bad situation. We lived in a bad situation. When the camp started, was starting, and there were no toilets, there were no clinic, no water, and many people used to die there because of hunger, hungry, and sickness. But around us, um, outside of the the camp, it was a beautiful country for sure and have beautiful people, but they didn't love us. <laughs> they didn't like refugee. I think maybe it's because I was a child. That's how I, I, I saw this, I don't know. But they didn't love us. With, when they see refugees uh, around going maybe to collect fire, firewood, they beat to whatever. I used to see this, but, but I believe it's a beautiful country. Yeah, because many people used to go uh, out and uh, work for food and come back. So if it's to work for somebody, it was okay. But to go to, like, collecting firewood in somebody's farm, oh, you, and they catch you even, I don't know, somewhere left, killed, things like those. But it's a beautiful still. Yes. Uganda, I didn't live long in Uganda. I lived there for two weeks. So I was passing through Uganda to Kenya. By the way, I saw Uganda. People from Uganda, they, ha they respect a lot. I saw how they respect. I used to see um, other... I can say young people, especially young young people, if you meet an old person, you have to go down on your knee and greet. So there are greetings. You have to go down fast, then greet somebody. If they didn't answer, you don't have light to wake up and go. And what I saw there, people in, um, in, a, in town especially, they do businesses, uh, especially for selling food. That's what I saw. I didn't go in a shop because I was not shopping. But I saw how you get food. They cook even at the street, in the street outside. It was new for me, like in my country, in Rwanda, you will not see anybody eating outside or in the street going to catch up the bus, do whatever, in the bus to eat, no. But there, they eat outside, sit there and eat. They cook and eat. Then I passed and I went to Kenya. I had chance to live in, uh, in Nairobi for a short time. And I saw how uh, Kenyans live the way they live it's totally different I saw women do business 
they go morning and they will come night. You will you will live with somebody in the same, maybe how do you call this? In um, same. Let me call it like apartment, but it's not apartment. It's like um, a center. I don't know how to how I can call this. You will rent one room. Somebody will rent another room, mm-hmm. but you will live there one month, two months without seeing each other. They go early morning, come in night, and everybody go in his own room. They cook there. They wash clothes there. They take shower there. They they live there, and it's one bedroom, and you will not see anybody. So <laughs> it, it was a new to me. At at home, we used even to cook outside and eat outside, but there I found nobody. Nobody wash even. It's it's not easy to see somebody is washing clothes outside. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the way where I lived. I don't know, but that's how I saw. And uh, after I went to in the camp, and I lived in the camp. Uh, this Kakuma refugee camp. Uh, it's it's a place. It's a desert. It's desert. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where there's no. Rain, no trees, it's only sand, sand and the sun, oh, and the wind, where you will spend the whole day without cooking, even though you have food, but to cook is a hard, is a problem, because wind, uh, too much wind, too much sand, oh, so, but I we lived there. That's where I met my husband, and um, we lived there with our two kids. So I lived there for six years, and uh, the camp have two different uh, different people from different countries, and they speak different languages. They have different cultures, uh, but we lived together. And we, we were under UNCR. Yeah, it was. It was not there. I will not say it's it's good. Okay, it's a, a good country, but not where the camp is. The place is 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 not good at all. There's nothing good there. I can say. I saw little children who who will start. At five years, finding food the way they will live by themselves, and they have maybe parents, but their parents are unable to to give what they need to to help them to take them to school. You can't go to school without eating. If you don't have clothes, you will not even study. So in the camp, they have. People are still there, but they have bad life. Could you tell us why your family had to leave Rwanda? We left Rwanda in 1994. So it was time, hard time. 
when the war started, 1994, you know, in Rwanda, it happened to be a genocide. So we we were forced to move, of course, because of our life. We, we didn't want to die. And we needed a place to hide. That's why we moved. So you spent from 1994, when you left Rwanda, moving through uh, Tanzania and Uganda and Kenya. When and how did your family come to settle in Canada? When I was in Kenya, in my life I have never have any thought to come outside of Africa. I I didn't even have this in my dream. I have never dreamed that. But when I we were in Kenya with my husband, we have big brother who live here. He's here for I think 12 years. He came as a, an international student and he was living in the same same camp. He was the one who find us a sponsor. Then they sponsored us. Then that's how we come. My husband started uh, the process. I am not sure I was not there yet, but I think it was uh, 2007, I think. After 2000 and, uh, I think 2015, yeah. He had to put us, me and my children, through his process. Then 2016, that's when we come. Yeah, we were happy, so super, super, super happy <laughs> to we were saying, oh, we are going to Canada, beautiful country. Everybody dreamed to come to Canada, but nobody gets that chance. So that's what I believe maybe everything happened to me that was the way to come to Canada I believe that I I think I have to be thankful for what happened because what happened it, it happened and I could not change it but this is what turned around and now here I am <laughs> yes could you take me back to the first day that you arrived in Peterborough and what it was like? Oh, wow. <laughs> I still remember. <laughs> when we come, I told you we were happy. But still a little bit afraid of life, how life is going to be. So when we came, we met our, our sponsor. She drove me and... Uh, my children, my husband were with his brother, so they came after us. But uh, some minutes, we came, we reached home, we reached home outside. Then we came out, all off the car. Then she shows, she showed us a house, and then she say, "Welcome to Canada." Then she say, "This is your house." <laughs> To say that well, this is your house, it was a wonderful news to hear in my ears. Oh, we were happy. I didn't speak English, and uh, 
to understand yes i was understanding a little but no speaking but i was happy mm-hmm. we went in the house they were prepared the fu- they prepared the food was ready but we had to take shower first and to go in our room then she showed us a room and she asked me <laughs> she said this is your room and then she asked if i like it i said do you like your do you like your room oh, wow <laughs> <laughs> that was another one. It was like a motivation. After she said, "Do you like our bed?" Wow, <laughs> a bed, beautiful bed. Wow, beautiful bed sheets. I was like, I was super, super happy. Welcoming us, showing us love, showing us how life goes. All this helped us to settle on the feel self yes <laughs> yeah. that's what happened she's our hero <laughs> she is she is what did you think of peterborough when you got here first of all i didn't know where i'm going i okay my husband were they gave him a name but it's only name we don't know where we are going and we knew we are coming in another country where we will not find people like us people who we we didn't think we will find people who are black from africa so we were thinking how to live with white people other people who are different from us and uh, different language Eh, but we knew that we are coming in a peaceful country. So that was a big motivation even for us. We came to Peterborough. We reached Peterborough. We find Peterborough's beautiful place. We came in the summer. Yes, so it was a beautiful place. All that cold they say Canada have. We didn't find. We said, wow, <laughs> where's the cold? No cold? Sun? Beautiful like this? Ah, wow. <laughs> we were so happy to be here. Then we find the people who are so welcoming, so beautiful. Peterborough have beautiful people, for sure. They are so nice people. Everybody we meet, they try to, to talk to us. I don't know English. They talk to me. I don't know what to, to say. But they are there. They're saying, oh, it's okay. It's okay. Don't worry. I'm, I'm like, wow. What? <laughs> 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 A beautiful place to be. <laughs> A beautiful people to live with. You know? Yeah. yeah, they are so good. They used to bring us clothes. Food. So all those mind set we had in our our mind were gone in a short time mm-hmm. we didn't ask ourselves how we live anymore because of peterborough <laughs> peterborough and its society and community so we're coming we are so thankful for this <laughs> yes yeah 
Other than, you know, the challenge of not not speaking the language and always understanding maybe what people are saying, no matter how kind they might be to you. Did you experience other challenges that that you found it hard to, to navigate? For me, myself, language was the first challenge mm-hmm. because even though they showed me um, the love, but I still needed to talk to them. So it was a big challenge to me. Then another challenge was food. All food new. Oh dear, it was hard for us <laughs> to eat food. And still, it's still hard for us. Like if we, we don't normally, we go in a restaurant maybe once <laughs> because to order food is a very big challenge to us even now. And you know, when you have kids, they see things and they want to eat. They want to eat, but when they taste, it doesn't taste the way they want it. Maybe how they like. They are like, oh no, it is still a challenge. And uh, shopping, oh wow, shopping was a big challenge too. It was my first time to go to shop in um supermarket. So everything is there, and many things I don't know. I don't know what I will buy and what I, only vegetable. And a lot of them are new. Yeah. I don't know them. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it was so hard for me, for sure. And in winter, eh, <laughs> when winter came, I, uh, it was another big, big challenge. I remember, uh, I remember the first winter, the first time it started to snow. It was a little, a teeny tiny snow, but my husband used to wake up very early. He, he got a job, so he used to wake up very early and go to work. Hmm. When he stepped out, he found snow and he was like, what? So he called me and said, don't take that child out. She will freeze. (laughs) (laughs) Then our sponsor said, what? She has to go out. She will freeze. I said, no, she will not. So it was was new and uh, challenging to to go to work with a, a little child. Three, she was turning three, three years old in a snow, big jacket and a big boot. She doesn't even work. Ah, yes. Yeah. But it was okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Still, it's, it's, it's good. Now we are, we are okay. Yeah. How did you get connected with or involved with the new Canadian Centre? Uh, when we came... We came as a permanent residence, but we needed card, like permanent residence card. So our sponsor, she's the one who brought us here, and we applied for those. Then when we were here, that's when we got all the information 
about women group, about English classes. So my husband started English here. Yeah. Then I could not come to school with that little one, but I started with women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Started to come. And, but still afraid. I think, oh, how am I going to talk to people? <laughs> no English. Mm-hmm. I came at the first time. Oh, I found other people don't know English. They are here. So in, I don't know. So this is, a, it's my home again. There's no English, even though we don't have another language to communicate with. Mm-hmm. But not only me. Yeah. That's how we were, we were connected and uh, started to know more and more. That's how I knew this program too. And uh, that's how I started even sewing here. Ah, different activities. Yes. Mm-hmm. Could you tell us a bit about your family, a bit more about your family and how they're adapting to life in Canada? I have three children. And uh, the first is eight, second one is uh, six, and uh, the last is two. He born here. He's a Canadian. <laughs> and uh, we live together with their father. We live uh, together as a family. They go to school. And uh, their father go to school too. He's in framing. And uh, I go to school too. <laughs> I'm doing my high school. Mm-hmm. Life without working is not that uh, stable, you know, yeah. because no one is working mm-hmm. between us. But still, it's good for us as what we passed well, this is nothing. What's school like for your children? They're doing well. They are loved. And they, they know languages. Before it was hard for my first one, when she came, without English. We took her in at school in Immaculate, and she was the only black. She was in kindergarten. Only black, no English. Mm-hmm. Ah, it was hard. And when she come home, she used the bus. So always, every day, I used to go, step in the bus, and wake her up. Mm-hmm. She was sleeping always. And always, we got knots. Every day, knots. She bited somebody. She beat somebody. She pinched. She pushed. Somebody's coming to talk to her, and somebody's talking to her in another language she don't know. Mm-hmm. And it's somebody who is look different, of course. So she, I think, I don't know what I, I can say it was, but it was a big, maybe, challenge to her. That's why she used to, to push them, go away, mm-hmm. don't want to talk. After summer, then she went, she started grade one. There were other two kids. They came from same camp, Mm -hmm. 
and same sponsor. Then they were our neighbor. Then they used the same bus. They talk same language. Mm. They are the same color. They knew each other. That's when she started to to be good. Then she she didn't sleep anymore. <laughs> she didn't sleep anymore. She used to go with them at school in the bus, and she come back. She talks a lot, and then she catch English came so fast. I don't know how it even came. But before, oh wow, <laughs> it was so hard for her. As you talk about your experiences and your life, you have a very positive attitude and a positive outlook. And you're very reflective, like you've thought about your experiences and and who you are. What have you learned about yourself as you have traveled the life to where you are now? I found it to be uh, humble. It's important to be humble. And uh, I have strength in everything. And I believe, I have believed that anything can happen, but for a reason. Yes. So to be humble and to move on. I found, especially in Kenya, I reached Kenya when I was big enough. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was me to learn how to live mm-hmm. and to deal with my life. No parent, no mother, no father there to ask anything. So, and I found people lived there for long. They have their life there. Mm-hmm. And they, they have different way to, to live, of course. And it was a different it was a different uh, life, but I had to learn how to do it, mm-hmm. to learn how people live there. And you can't learn that if you are not humble. You have to humble yourself and learn from somebody. That's how we did. Can you tell us about your dreams and your hopes for your future? I have a dream. My dream is to help people. Nothing will change this in me. <laughs> it's in me. <laughs> Maybe it may take 20, it may take 5 or 10 years. I, I don't care. Still, who cares? Mm-hmm. Nobody cares. So I have to care. I will care myself. Nobody else will care. So it's my dream. I have to care. I'm not planning to do big things. I know big things come from the small things. So I'm still thinking how I, I can start. <laughs> but, and uh, what I believe is some people who are almost giving up in their life, it's not good to give, to give up because every, anything happened for the reason. Maybe to, today you are here, maybe tomorrow you will be here. And to, after tomorrow, maybe you will be up there. Maybe you will be up, but after, maybe we will come down there. 
So that's how I, I consider life is. There's no need of giving up in life. No. While you are still alive, don't give up. <laughs> don't give up. So in my future, I'm planning to do something. Maybe if, if, even if I can help somebody to do something, even if it's to carry something, somebody's enabled to carry. That will be my, my help. Yeah. Even if it's to cook for somebody who is not able to cook for himself. That, and it's many times I have been thinking about this. Oh, how if I, if I cook something? But still, I'm, I'm getting a problem. I'm stuck somebody, somewhere. I'm stuck. I'm like, oh, okay. I believe that will help me. And uh, I'm praying to God to make this happen to me. And I will be so happy, super happy to do it. <laughs> Anybody who wish that I can help, please let me know. Uh, I am strong. I know I can do it. I will come. I'm not asking a job. I'm asking time to help if it's one. I have my family, yes, have to take care of my kids, but only one day I think I can do it. Mm. Yes. If it doesn't happen now, when I will get my money, <laughs> I will be doing it. It's an offering. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's an offering. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> mm. <clears throat> Throughout this project of the the Living Library recordings, we've been talking about the ideas of home and belonging. Can you tell us what home, what the word home and the word belonging mean for you, or the idea of them? Mm hmm. Good question. Okay, home. What I can say about home. For myself, home is where I, f I can feel safe, a place where I feel safe, a place where I feel um, belong to. That's, that's a place I call home. And I, I, I belong to this community. So I'm at home. When we were in Kenya, it was temporary. Maybe they were kick us out tomorrow. Maybe they will kick us out uh, after an year. The, the way they did when we were in Tanzania, they kicked us out in the morning. Mm -hmm. Wake up in the morning, find old soldiers are in the camp, mm -hmm. and be, they, they beated us. You go with, even without a, a cross. You go. They sh go, 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 go back to Rwanda. Go back to Rwanda. And we were there as a refugee. We need, <laughs> we need a place to, 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 to hide, at least be, feel safe. And uh, where we not listen those uh, guns, shooting or whatever. Uh, so even in Kenya, it was the same. Maybe tomorrow, maybe tomorrow. So there you are sleeping, but still it's like you are not sleeping. But here, oh, wow. Here it's home. 
Nobody said you are in my house. No. <laughs> you are in a house, you are renting a house, but you feel safe. You you call it your house. I have ID. Kenya we didn't have any ID. So that ID showed me that I'm at home. When I I need uh, somebody, I will get to speak to. I will get that person direct. I will go to an office. Nobody will say no. Go back. Come tomorrow. No, they say, what can we help you? This is home. That's what I call home. You feel uh, you are peaceful, you feel you are belonging, you feel you are loved, uh, you feel safe. Yes, wow. I'm, at the time, first time we came here in this building with our sponsor, then there at uh, the reception upstairs, then they said, what can we help you? What can we help you? I was like, huh? <laughs> 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 we come in the office and they're asking, what can we help you? We normally beg. You beg and they beg and they beg. They say, go. Our security is there and it doesn't let you even enter the gate. They are saying, no, the officer you are looking for is not there. But here, I, what can we help you? <laughs> Even that one made my day at that time. <laughs> I was like, we are safe. We are where we, need, we wanted to go, where everyone wanted to go. As part of this project uh, for the NCC Living Library, what has it been like to share your story? What has that experience been like for you? Uh, this means a lot. <laughs> At the first time when I started, I didn't know what is it like. And I was so, so, so nervous to stand in front of Camilla. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what? Camilla? I was like, oh. But when I did, and when they put it, this video out, and people liked and they wanted to talk to me live. Mm -hmm. So that showed me that what I said and my story is important. Mm -hmm. It was needed. And uh, there are people who liked it. If people like your things, I think you feel good. Mm -hmm. So I was happy for that. And this uh shows me how people w learn or we learn from my story. I remember, for uh, for example, I remember I used to go with Bisham and to meet some high school, some high school students. And they, they ask me questions live when we sit. <laughs> they ask me questions and they answer. And there's something I saw, I noticed. They don't know how refugee camp is like mm -hmm. and how life in refugee camp how hard life it is mm -hmm. so these people who grow here they know camping is fun yeah. they think it's fun 
is good and it is here. But in Africa, when you say camp, we are going to camp. Oh, where, where are they fighting? They will direct, reflect and say, okay, there's a war some, somewhere and people are fighting. That's why people are moving, are going to camp. So I, I found these children or these students, many of them, they don't know what camp. They think camping is this camping from here. I lived in a, in the camp. They, they didn't know. They thought maybe it's a camp, but I lived there for long. Then when a teacher said, what, what was the camp for and camp Lucre? I told them it's a refugee camp where you live when you have moved it from your home because of a reason, a war, maybe somebody want to kill you, somebody doing whatever, you are looking for a place to hide. So they knew what a camp is and what I was saying, it's different from what they were thinking. So I, that I believe this, uh, this project were important. It, it, this project came on time, maybe. I really appreciated it um, when you were talking about being humble to learn from each other. And I think that that's the value of, of, this, um, of this project. And I'm, I'm very grateful that you're sharing your story here today, but also in the, in the community, um, so that hopefully more people can become humble and listen to you, because it's something that so many of us don't understand when mm. we do live in a place like Peterborough. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for, for having me. The music used in this series was taken from local musician Evan Sheffield's album, White Rhino, featuring samples from the track White Owl. <laughs>